0: What is faith for you, dear listener? What does Christianity mean for you? Do you find yourself switching Christian mode on and off? We have to be aware of this separation, this compartmentalization, when Christianity becomes a mood, an event, or a behavior. Here's a quote by Dr. Edwin Ryan. Christianity is a world and life view, and not simply a series of unrelated doctrines. Christianity includes all of life. Every realm of knowledge, every aspect of life, and every facet of the universe find their place and their answer within Christianity. It is a system of truth enveloping the entire world in its grasp. I hope you find this true for yourself as well. It's Saturday, January 29th, 2022, and today as usual we are covering top stories, and the two featured stories of this week will be the Canada trucking protest and the worrying news surrounding the Russian invasion of Ukraine. (laughs) Welcome to LifeRing, a podcast where we strive to provide you with a well-rounded review of what is going on in the world between Monday and Friday in this of this past week. My name is Alex and joining me today someone you might recognize if you've been with us since the beginning. Brother Paul Kazakov was one of the four people who helped us to get this project off the ground from an idea to reality. So Paul, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Quite the introduction. Um, it's good to be here. Yeah. It's, it's weird because every time we used to record before, we'd have to drive to our studio and see each other in person, but now we're doing this virtually and remote. So definitely good to see the show building, getting more technically progressive. So I'm doing good. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. Uh, I'm really enjoying, you know, every time we go through like the sick phase, I guess every winter or so, right? You, you then come out on the other side, much more appreciative of life. I feel, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're sort of just like, man, I could just, um, I could just do things normally and yeah, not have to feel breathe. like I'm dragging myself. <laughs> huh? I
1: could breathe if from both nostrils. You're like, yeah. man, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's great. It's good.
0: Um, How's your family? How's your job?
1: It's been very busy recently, mm-hmm. um, just with, so I don't know if you know this, but we've just finished a remodel at home, work oh, has right been busy, on. and then we're waiting um, on a son, right? And in like mm-hmm. a, a month, so very hectic, but very good times, so. Wow.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Well, if you're new to this podcast, we have two featured stories that we cho- we kind of shifted, Paul. We, we changed a bit uh, since the last time you were on. We have two featured stories that we choose uh, to highlight any given week. One I get to share in the beginning, and then the second story is shared by my co-host or guest host, uh, like Paul in this case, at the end of the podcast. In the middle of the episode, we have a section we call lightning round, but it became kind of the main section where we go through a dozen of s- or so stories of current events that stood out in the news this past week and offer a brief commentary. So let's get to our first uh, one of the two featured stories for this episode. So we talked about Canada last week, their C4 law regarding gender conversion therapy. Well, this weekend, you probably got to see the culmination of trucking rally unlike any before. And by trucking rally, I mean that there's a bunch of trucks right now in Canada lined up. Here's uh, the news story, according to Associated Press. Several thousand people are expected in Ottawa as early as Friday. Uh, as part of a group demanding an end to vaccine mandate and COVID-19 restrictions. Some of the group's leaders are calling for a peaceful event, but statements from some associated with the group have included threats of violence. So basically, it's a huge convoy of truckers going to converge in Ottawa, the capital city of Canada. And of course, the Canadian president dismissed it as a French group, but it seems like they are You know, hundreds of thousands of people supporting this. It all began last Sunday, January 23rd. There were reports of hundreds of truckers leaving the Canadian province of British Columbia and going east to Ottawa. The reason behind this convergence is a response to the new law that came into effect on January 15th. And apparently this new law is requiring truckers entering Canada to be fully immunized against the coronavirus. Now, it was mentioned by Associated Press that the United States has imposed the same requirements of truckers entering that country, meaning Canada, I assume. So that's happening right now as we're recording the show. And I actually checked in and it seems like they're steadily trickling in. Um, But let me take a step back here. How are you feeling about 2022 so far? I mean, we're like, what, January 29th, date of recording. Mm -hmm. Has this pandemic been dragging for too long? What are your thoughts, man?
1: I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, If I had to look back at, what, these four weeks in 2022, I Mm -hmm. feel like everything was overshadowed by like COVID. It seems like there was um, the vaccine mandates. um, Then there was the Supreme Court that blocked them right recently. And then straight from there, it it seemed like there was this, you know, a week, Mm -hmm. maybe half a week period where there wasn't really anything big in the news. And then all of a sudden it's this (laughs) trucking uh, scandal from Canada coming Mm with these vaccine mandates.
0: So Yeah, they've been kind of, they've been uh, uh, in the news because of their overreach Lately, actually, I, I feel like 2021 sort of have been highlighted. Remember the pastor uh, situation, right? How they were shutting down churches and
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. The one pastor that got like put in prison, what three times now?
0: <laughs> right, and, and it's just ridiculous. And it seems like again, those are isolated cases, but overall, the country is just. Banding over on un, under this uh, o- oppression, if you will. So, I actually wonder I was
1: uh, I'm wondering now. So, if all the truckers are going to Ottawa, right? So, that means all of the these truckers they'd be usually at work right now, right? They'd be like delivering, taking stuff. loads, so right?
0: Do you think, yeah, do you think Canada is going to have a supply shortage here? Pretty shortly. That's a great question, right? I, I would assume that's probably going to affect because you not only have like Canadian truckers there; these are also Americans who crossed the border. I assume yeah. they probably can afford themselves a week off, right? Because mm-hmm. they would usually have this, so they're like, "All right, I guess my week off is going to be spent parked, you know, in a freezing temperatures, you know, somewhere up north and northeast in Canada." I don't yeah, know, yeah. but yeah. And now there's this Facebook group called Conway to Ottawa Twenty. 22 restart and i know that around 8 p.m on friday it was like 275,000. let me check right mm-hmm. now because i think uh around midnight it was like 325,000. so what uh, 50k more people added in a span of like four hours and as i'm looking at it right now it's 300 wow. it's 375,000 people as of this morning you know at 10 a.m that's a lot of people supporting it, it seems like it's really drawing international attention and you see like people posting videos from like other countries they gathered like you know together and they're supporting these truckers it really caused a stir now here's the kicker it looks like they raised uh 7.9 million dollars close to 8 million let's see if it hit oh it's 8 million it's 8 million wow. as of now and uh, now they do have so, a goal of 9 million canadian dollars go ahead so so, so what are they collecting
1: money for i'm confused I know it's to help the cause, but but what exactly is it going to do?
0: So here's from uh, their GoFundMe campaign. To our fellow Canadians, the time for political overreach is over. Our current government is implementing rules and mandates that are destroying the foundation of our businesses, industries, and livelihoods. Canadians have been integral to the fabric of humanity in many ways that have shaped the planet. We are a peaceful country that has helped protect nations across the globe from tyrannical government who oppress their people, and now it seems it's happening here. We're taking our fight to the doorsteps of our federal government and demanding that they seize all mandates against its people. Small businesses are being fundamental necessities to survive. It's our duty as Canadians to put an end to to these mandates. It is imperative that this happens because if we don't, our country will no longer be a country we have come to love. We are doing this for our future generations and to regain our lives back. Now, there's more but that's the main point. They're talking about like the money will go directly to bulk fuel suppliers because you've okay. got approximately 3000 trucks expected or something. I mean, this is a long line, right? Like these are not 3000 people, these are 3000 of like semis. So it's 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 mm-hmm. a it's a huge convoy if you will. Now they say the uh, some of it will go to cover lodging, food, I think, and the rest of the money will be donated to a credible veterans organization. Why why do you think this garnered the attention of the world at large you know are these numbers speaking of something
1: you know we could ask that same question well why, why did the kyle rittenhouse trial get so mm-hmm. much attention you know if you're familiar compared to i don't know how to pronounce this the maxwell trial i'm not going to pronounce her first name because i don't know J- just Lane or <laughs> something know like that. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that that seems like, you know, no one was talking about it. No one was really covering it. It was very minuscule compared to the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. So, you know, there might be some hidden agenda to what mm. makes mainstream and what doesn't. But I think, um, like you said, is that like a lot of people mm-hmm. got together. And, you know, if so many people are there and so many people are complaining, then the news just has nothing to do but right. to cover, you know, or else they're they're not going to be there where all the drama is happening, which I feel like the news is really after these days. So
0: It's an interesting thing because online, on that Facebook group, there has been a lot of um, comparisons made uh, that this is like the January 6th event, but for Canada. See what I'm saying? Insurrection. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're not going to take over. They're, they're afraid of it. They you know, the police is kind of concerned over that, you know, over so many people coming in, but still. You could probably draw some parallels of people just getting sick in the country of, you know, what the government is doing. And this is an interesting philosophical discussion, right? We come to a point where, like, if in the past the people, the peasants, didn't really know much about, you know, economics or the, you know, the, the, like, larger things than just your village. Today, we have a ton of educated people around the globe. Like, whether Mm -hmm. you're, you know, a regular guy like me who goes 9 to 5 or you're the president of this country our knowledge level will probably be similar, right? Our experiences might be slightly different, but like in terms of knowledge, we're all the same. And so that's when you're like, can I like really trust my government? Because, you know... It seems to me on an individual level, their decisions are causing a lot of havoc.
1: Yeah, especially when, you, when we have phones these days now, right? Where yeah. like so many times it happens where the government is saying one thing or like a person mm-hmm. is saying like, oh, this is what I've always said. This is what I, you know, and before the days of all this access to information right. for the normal person, right? It's just like you, you'll, you'll believe in me. back, all right, he's trustworthy. But now if you bring up a video, Mm -hmm. side by side him saying it and then him saying a different thing then you're like well something's not
0: adding up right you can compare and yeah definitely access to information has propelled us forward so where do we find ourselves as uh christians in these kind of matters of protesting government overreach uh what should be our commentary on this matter what's your perspective
1: so I have a long-winded explanation, but I'm going to try to make <laughs> okay. this short. You know, one story that comes to mind is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're you're familiar with it, but basically it's a story from the Bible. It's uh, events that happened, and so there was this idol that everyone was bowing down to. And so at that point, you know, they stood up and they're like, hey, this is against my faith. I'm not going to kneel. And so what ended up happening is then they were thrown In a pit of fire, basically, and so I'm not Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into the story too much, but that was clearly a sign of protest in the Bible, and as a Christian, you know, you have this example of protest, and obviously, it was for their faith, right? Because it was completely against their faith, and so it might have been a different situation, but there are some circumstances where you do protest. In some circumstances, I can stand up, and I feel like that decision is up to the person, and Mm -hmm. it's up to judgment because looking, I'm going to bring into example COVID, you know, but it works with other things as well, where, you know, at first we were told, you know, all it is, is two weeks to slow the curve. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden today it's vaccine mandates. And I don't know if you've heard, but recently there was legislature that Washington was going to talk about. And it was COVID camps where basically if a social Mm -hmm. worker shows up to your house and if they see that you have COVID and if you're not compliant, they have the power to send you for 10 days to a camp to this place where you where you are forced to quarantine right so it went from two weeks to slow the curve to this you know and so if you know that potentially in the future what's happening right now is going to infringe on your rights is going to stop you from like even professing your faith or you know the government is going to have strict control over your religion or anything like that and all starts with something small well if you stand up at the point where it's right about to infringe on your faith or on your personal rights or where you draw the line, standing up then is going to be a lot harder than standing up, for instance, when all they're asking you to do is to put on a mask compared right. to them locking you up and sending you to some camp, which it, it didn't happen, right? But that, that was just
0: my example. So I think it's ultimately up to the person. Especially in the countries where peaceful protests are accepted, like a de- democratic country. And if we can do it peacefully and if we can do it for a good cause, then that's an individual decision that we should respect and think for ourselves, you know, where we stand on that. As a result, uh, this uh, convoy already inspired another freedom convoy to Canberra, that's in Australia. According to Associated Press, the main convoys are scheduled to arrive today around noon, but already on Friday vehicles uh, blocked the roads in front of Parliament. And on Saturday morning, uh, there were dozens of trucks gathered. A total of uh, 2,700 trucks are expected. So I'm confused. Is this Australia or is this Canada? No, I'm talking about Canada now. Good point. So Freedom Conway did ultimately uh, become a demonstration against government overreach with vaccine mandate as a starting point. There is something about truck drivers that is conservative, but also rebellious, traditional and at the same time adventurous. They're always on the road, always away from home, and yet always yearning for home. So observing the speed at which this event took over the interest of people, it once again reminds us that... People at large, whether in Canada or here in the United States, are in need of something to lead them onwards. They need a cause. They need a ray of hope. But ultimately, I think we would all agree that they need a shepherd. They need a leader, one that will care and do what's best for them. And that's a job only Jesus can do. And uh, as far as civic duty goes, we are to contribute, to support the efforts that bring about peace, economic prosperity, and social stability of a nation. All right, welcome to Lightning Round where we get to take a look at the rest of the I guess top stories about a dozen of them where we offer a quick commentary that are based I guess by categories. We'll begin with COVID. COVID-19, I'm sure you're excited about this one. According to all the charts, actually you might be excited about this one because it's good news. According to all the charts and data, new COVID infections are declining in the U.S., a sign that Omicron wave uh, has likely peaked because it was more infectious or contagious variant with milder symptoms that it ran through the country and the whole world. Um, And I know that it's still affecting people. There were still deaths, you know, serious cases. But as a result, much more people got sick. And that could be a good thing. That means that more people have developed immunity. In fact, that's what scientists are saying right now, is that it's it's a good thing. Do 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 you think, Paul, we could have developed immunity faster without all the COVID closures of 2020? As uh, a scientist, that's,
1: yeah. As as a scientist, I got my PhD <laughs> in in the study of of pandemics and, right. and immune diseases. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> no, so um, I don't I don't know. I personally, my opinion, I would say I think I think so um, because, like, if you're closed off, you know, it it just when you're a kid and you run around and like, I, I don't know about you, but I remember like climbing around in dirt, climbing around, you know, getting mm-hmm. poked by different things and you were fine because you were used to it. yeah. Um, cause you were always out and about, but then when you're inside, um, all the time and then you go out and you do face a virus, I, I don't know. I feel like it would, it would be more harmful.
0: Fully sterile environment just does not sound healthy. So here's an interesting article from Daily Wire. The Swedish government announced uh, Thursday that it would not be recommending COVID-19 vaccines for children ages 5 through 11 because there is not sufficient evidence that the benefits of the jabs outweigh the risk of infection, according to the county's health agency. Their reasons, well, because of the issues that they're aware of and relatively low risk of kids getting seriously ill. And when I read that, I was going to say that Yeah, this is a country that cares for the well-being of the future generations. But as you know, we've covered some stories from Sweden, and they actually are considered one of the world's most secular nations. Uh, Mm. Actually, I think you were on the show when we covered the Church of Sweden last year. They wrote an open letter to the transgender community, proclaiming that it was also transgender, meaning the church was transgender. I I, I don't know if I was on the show, but I do remember that story. I remember it stuck out to me. (laughs) So... Good reasoning in one area and then careening off the cliff in the other.
1: Well, in our own country, at least seven school boards have sued Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin over his decision to end the Commonwealth's mass mandate in public school
0: they were they were saying there's just not enough evidence, you know, to continue having children wear masks. And so, especially that most of them come in, you know, you 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 check for symptoms. Plus masks don't work. They mm. have them, you know, below their nose. And so you got like yeah. Sweden, and then what do you have in the United States? Yeah.
1: um, so I actually saw a picture of someone standing in, I believe it was like sub zero weather mm-hmm. where like basically whenever you breathe out, you could you could see yeah. the air that you're breathing out because <laughs> it's cold. So this person's standing and he's breathing normally and you could see the air and then he puts on a mask. And he does the same breathing. And you can see that it doesn't come out the front, but it still comes out the sides. (laughs) sides. up. And so he's just standing there in this cloud of fog of his own smoke that's like going all around like his body. So in a sense that like, yeah, it doesn't come out the front, but the air still leaves. So like masks don't really, they
0: don't really help anything. Especially for these kids being in a closed space for, you know, eight hours a day. Like is gonna get all mixed.
1: So, as you know, the government's mandate for large businesses with um, 100 or more employees was blocked by the Supreme Court, and um, right. I think just a couple of weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and f- it's formally withdrawn by the label Labor Department's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or better known as OSHA.
0: And it turns out, like, there's a, actually a whole list of corporations that decided that they're still going to enforce vaccination policy. Big corporations who said they're going to require vaccinations in order for people to return back to work. Including those who are like expecting people who are remote you know working remotely right now to return to the office they would need to be vaccinated. Yep. To me that's just weird because you have the court saying one thing and then I guess corporations can dictate what happens in the workplace. I just don't know if they can make it a prerequisite for actually working for them.
1: So, so actually it's, it's funny that you pointed that out, but Mm -hmm. the company I work for, um, so I was talking with some HR people and they said that it's actually a requirement. It still is a requirement for people to be vaccinated in order to get gain employment in the company. It's just weird because it seems like if the Supreme court shuts it down, then all of a sudden they're not listening to the Supreme court. Mm -hmm. But as soon as Biden says that, like, Hey, in three or four weeks, I'm going to be implementing this mandate and all of them comply within the next
0: two days, you know, Mm -hmm. all of them start. So it's like, where is that logic and where is that reasoning? It's kind of confusing. All right. In the government news, uh, 27 House of Representative members have signed a letter urging House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, a Democrat from California, and a minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, Republican from California, to bring forward legislation that would ban members of Congress from owning or trading stocks, according to Axios. Now it was um, apparently signed by 25 Democrats and two Republicans. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, I think this is this is very very long overdue. I feel like if you're in a position of power where you right. can like mandate certain rules and certain laws that would benefit some companies while take away from others, you you shouldn't be able to invest in their stock, you know. I know there's even in certain companies if you use a certain part of like so if you work for a company and you are influencing certain parts and actions of the company you're not allowed to personally buy or sell stock because then that's like insider trading so why is that not the same with members of congress and the government
0: yeah who have a much uh, better insight than all of us before things happen yeah how do you view firearms are they dangerous necessary or neutral paul
1: it, it's a very complicated question. I think in some cases, they are necessary. right? Um, in some cases, they they are justified.
0: The, the reason I'm bringing this up, in California, San Jose now is the first city in the nation to mandate gun owners to have liability insurance and pay an annual fee in effort to curb gun violence, right? That's according to San Jose Spotlight. So let's think this over. Does it even make sense, right? Like you would now have to insure so many other weapons or things right and it's like if a gun is the issue then where does the personal responsibility come in
1: well it does it does make sense if all gun owners had their guns registered but the thing is is Mm -hmm. the things that aren't pointed out is the fact that most of the guns that are used to kill people and used in violence are not registered their serial numbers are taken off Mm -hmm. and many times like um, I watch a like, cop shows and they're like, oh, yeah, unregistered gun illegally owned. And this person went and killed two people, you know. Mm-hmm. So what about those people are the real people that are causing the gun violence?
0: So on Tuesday, council members uh, voted 10-1 to approve the gun control rules requiring San Jose residents uh, to own, who own guns to pay an annual fee of $25 per household and purchase gun insurance that specifically covers losses or damages resulting from quote, any negligent or accidental use of firearm in six months, according to the ordinance.
1: Here's probably part of the reason why it's with roughly, I think, 50,000 to 55,000 San Jose households. Um that our gun owners, the annual fee is expected to bring in about 1.3 million a year. I mean, with
0: everything in the end, it all comes down to money. <laughs> I was gonna say queue the registered ka-ching sound. Yeah. <laughs> and a text message came in. All right, let's talk about chips. What are your favorite chips? Yeah, yeah.
1: I like CPUs. I like um <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're taking no, it no. straight there. Okay. <laughs> well, well what are my what are my favorite chips? I'd probably have to say like Doritos. I like, uh, like straight-up
0: potato chips. Anyways, we apparently had a dip in chips. Um, electronic chips, that is. So according to Washington Post, manufacturers and other buyers of computer chips had less than five days' supply of some of the chips on hand late last year, leaving them vulnerable to any disruption in deliveries. The Commerce Department reported Tuesday as it pushed Congress to endorse federal aid for chip makers. Actually, was at Best Buy trying to buy a laser printer, I think last week, and they were completely out of stock. Including online. It says like out of stock, nationwide, including online. Now, you can still get them really? on Amazon. Yeah. You, but I just thought it was unusual. So what this means is, uh, again, according to Washington Post, it means that the disruption overseas, which might shut down like a semiconductor plant for two to three weeks, has a potential to disable a manufacturing facility and furlough workers in the United States. If that facility only has three to five days of inventory left. It looks like uh, it's not going away for the next six months, this whole shortage problem. Mm-hmm. And that affects mainly older type of chips. And car car industry, as you've seen, has been kind of struggling with that for a while.
1: I know it's we've been taking it for a fact, you know, that like, oh, there's shortages everywhere. But why? Like, I feel like it was blamed on the Suez Canal. Right. Now, now that's resolved. So what is actually causing these shortages?
0: It almost seems like it's a domino effect from all the government uh, closures that we had in 2020 telling you it's Mm -hmm. like those three months really just hurt the whole economy going forward so we come from a slavic background where on any given service you get to hear three sermons again that's not counting like the little mini introduction sermons uh, Mm -hmm. that we have at the end or in the beginning so what do you prefer one sermon a long one a short one three sir like, w- what do you prefer?
1: I prefer two sermons, one in the beginning, like a very short, like 10 minute one, mm. short introduction, you know, something like that. And then one main one, right. That is led by the pastor, mm. which is like 45 minutes. That's well thought out PowerPoint presentation, you know, mm. music to back up the, the rise and fall of like emotions oh. during the sermon, you know, it's just <laughs> okay, cl- clearly, but yeah, I think,
0: 45 minutes of, like, one main sermon, I think that's that's a good time. Well, according to Christian Headlines, the poll by Gray Meadow Research and Infinity Concepts found that 85% of churchgoers, 85%, um mm. churchgoing evangelicals say that their pastor's sermon le- length is fine as it is. 8% prefer a longer length, 7% a shorter length, and they interviewed, like, 1,000 evangelicals. Ken Ham, founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis, commented on the findings we need more solid, biblically-driven teaching from God's Word to disciple and equip the next generation. He wrote, So many professing Christians know very little about what God's Word actually teaches. For example, another study that was just released found that half of U.S. Christians say casual sex between consenting adults is some, sometimes or always acceptable. He went on to say they need to be discipled in faith, encouraged to get into God's Word, and given the foundation for biblical worldview so that they can properly view the world Around them. thousand
1: evangelicals doesn't seem like a lot. Some churches are like 20, 30,000. So mm-hmm. if you take a thousand evangelicals from one church and they have a sermon, a main pastor sermon of 30 to 40 minutes, then obviously most of them are going to be happy. But
0: yeah, I, I definitely feel like more have to be pulled. <laughs> on well, that. I'm pretty sure this was like yeah. from across different churches, right? So it's like mm-hmm. you're sampling, I guess. But overall, that's, that's the, you know, it's not like sixty-five or I don't know, 55, where it's like too close to being yes, no. Yeah. So That's true. We're also creatures of habit,
1: though. So if you walk in and like, if you don't see your three sermons for us, right, on a Sunday, you might feel a little bit off and weird at first true. until you get adjusted to it. So maybe that has something to play. But uh, Ken Ham's point, I think, is very spot
0: on. Well said. Here's an article from Daily Wire. Thousands of police officers from around the country filled snowy New York City streets outside St. Petty. St. Patrick's Cathedral on Friday to pay respects to fallen NYPD officer Jason Rivera. Now, Rivera, a 22-year-old uh, police officer, was killed while on duty last Friday. Uh, that's according to New York Post. This rookie cop, along with 27-year-old partner Wilbert Mora, was ambushed in Harlem while responding to a domestic disturbance call. It was also added later that Mora also died from his wound later in the day. Have you seen the pictures of the tribute of all these officers um th- this is
1: the first time like officially reading about this story i'm going to go check in on yeah. it i guess my thought on this is like it warrants like you know at, at times you see police officers arresting someone and they're very they're very rough it seems like but they're doing that for a reason yeah. because if they're not rough someone might turn around and just saw a video the other day of a cop trying to detain someone and the guy slipped out and just beat the guy beat the mm-hmm. cop senseless you know which is they
0: do it for a reason. It's like this fragile balance between being kind of mean. It's like force upon force, right? Like, but you want to make sure that there's this balance is kept. Otherwise, it will go wrong. And so, the level of grief. I mean, if you look at those pictures, right? There's first of all, there's just thousands of them. It's um, it's it's really a scene, a sight to see. But the level of grief was overwhelming. Officer Rivera uh, apparently had an argument with his wife that morning, and so that added to the to the loss. And I'd like you to hear some of the clips from the speech by Officer Rivera's uh, widow, Dominique Luziriaga.
2: We had an argument. You know, it's hard being a cop wife sometimes. It's hard being patient when plans were canceled or we would go days without seeing each other. Or when you had to write a report that would take forever because you had to voucher so many things so you did OT. Or when you had a bad day at work because an EDP drove you nuts. But you always reminded me that it was going to be all right. We were going to get through it. This Friday we were arguing because I didn't want you to use your job phone while we were together. You were so mad that you took LeBron jersey down Gave me your chain and put the lotions I gave you for your ashy hands in the bag and said, here, take them. We left your apartment and because I didn't want to continue to argue, I ordered an Uber. You asked me if you are sure that you don't want me to take you home. It might be the last ride I give you. <laughs> I said no, and that was probably the biggest mistake I ever made.
1: It's just it was tough to hear like you know the 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 widow um but I think it's a tough reminder for all of us to you know cherish those around us because you never know you know like. Right. The last conflict, the last fight you have might be the last time you talk to a person. So it definitely will put you in a different perspective mentally.
0: And, and as hard as it is to go back and try to mend, you know, after a conflict, you know, kind of try to, to change things up. It's probably not as hard as losing someone.
1: Yep. So from one tragedy to another tragedy, a Pittsburgh bridge collapses um, and it leaves four hospitalized and 10 injured at Frick Park early Friday morning. So the injured were transported to the hospital with non-life threatening injuries. First responders reported to the scene in nearly 150 feet to help passengers from a dangling bus while others formed a human chain to help rescuers with the effort. You know, it's just definitely a feat of effort um, to rescue and it's scary position to be in. You know, it's, it's
0: good to hear that there was non-life threatening injuries. So Biden was already planning to visit uh, the place and, you know, he had an opportunity to talk about infrastructure, about his $1 trillion uh, infrastructure bill and, and how that's, yeah, he was standing in the backdrop was this broken bridge. Isn't Pittsburgh known? Uh,
1: one of the things that it's known for is the city of bridges. Really? So if, if yeah, if that's how all the bridges are built, then <laughs> then that's going to um. be unfortunate.
0: How did you handle the snowstorm that we had um, a while back? I actually enjoyed
1: it because right before, I think two to three weeks. So I have a all-wheel-drive car, mm-hmm. right? So it's always all-wheel drive. It's a Jeep Grand Cherokee, mm. um, and then I bought new wheels two right. to three weeks before. So I really enjoyed it. I was oh. drifting and everything. I mean, I was. If my mom's listening, no, I wasn't drifting. I was just <laughs> driving normal. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say it was hard to commute but it, it was really
0: hard to commute from my bedroom to to my office is
1: <laughs> difficult. <laughs>
0: all right. Well, beginning uh yesterday actually, a blizzard warning was in effect uh for 55 million people approximately from coastal Vir- Virginia to Eastern Maine and I think all the way yeah, and it's and it's past New York as well because a historic winter storm was about to slam the mid-Atlantic and Northeast. I know that at the time when I was writing this Earlier this morning, it was uh, snowing the the Long Island uh, or on the Long Island as we speak, like snowing in badly. Some places expect up to 30 inches of snow.
1: I mean, I I was joking about it earlier, but I truly hope that like, you know, no one crashes because when the snowstorm was here, um, there was, you know, a bunch of cars, even trucks and SUVs Mm -hmm. like on the highway, they were like in the ditches and everything. So it's very scary, you know? So if people don't know they're not used to driving in snow, then it's, you know, a lot of people get injured. So I really hope that no one gets, um, no one gets injured. What do you think of ads? Like, like advertisements, adverts, advertisements, um, yeah, it depends on the ad, but I feel like recently they've been getting worse and worse. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the more left-leaning like jokes or political agenda. Seemingly everything is like politicized. That I I really think ads have just I hate
0: watching them. Well, apparently to this, according to this article, more and more brands are giving their customers heads up and a chance to opt out of marketing emails ahead of holidays like Valentine's Day. They're saying. Uh, They they were in fact mentioning that advertisements and promotions around holidays, particularly ones that celebrate relationships, can cause anxiety and depression and that we're bombarded with all of these ads. They're saying that we went from being exposed to 500 ads a day in 1970s to around 5,000 a day now. That's, that's, That's a huge increase, huh? But this is like specifically in relation to Valentine's Day. And I think another, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it was this article, but they were talking about like Mother's Day, Father's Day. So like if you don't have a father, right, it would be really bad timing if you received an ad on Father's Day. You know, yeah. Father's Day. I could Day. actually, yeah, I could actually stand behind this effort. I yeah. think definitely like if you
1: don't have a father and your father just died recently mm-hmm. and you keep getting Father's Day reminders, you're like, well, <laughs> what <laughs> am I supposed to do Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: So maybe soon they'll keep track of our personal preferences and what we celebrate and what we don't. And that might be a good thing.
1: So in tech news, the United Arab Emirates has banned the flying of drones in the country for fun or recreation um, because Yemen's Houthi Rebels, I hope I pronounced that right, um, claimed a fatal drone attack. Um, I think it was on an oil facility and a major airport in the country. And this was done with drones.
0: Yeah, apparently now drone flyers will face legal liabilities of flying them, which is ridiculous if you think about it. Mm Because this is not just, you know, like the, I don't know, the DJI drones, let's say with cameras, the bigger one. This is all drones, essentially.
1: So it seems like the rare drone missile strike in the capital of Abu Dhabi, um, it blew up several fuel tankers and killed three people last week, which I'm all for, for drone flying, but... Um, I do think if it poses a big threat like that, I feel like in the future that they're, they're going to be a, a much bigger problem, especially as like the tech increases and now anyone can go spy on someone. Anyone can go like if you attach a gun to there somehow, like it's it's very scary. It could get scary. I yeah, yeah, I, I
0: can yeah. agree. You would think that with the increase of technology, they would, I don't know, increase like have better patrolling. For example, banning cars from the streets just because they cause accidents is not a good, mm-hmm. you know. But then again, cars are essential, drones are not. Yeah, Yeah, but maybe you could just have like,
1: I think, hopefully what, what, what they're doing is like they're banning them now, but then later on, they're going to come out with like specific rules and regulations, how drones can be built and constructed and like change it in the future.
0: That's a good one. Space news. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're moving on to space news. We're almost uh, at the end. Do space stories uh, annoy you or do they pick your interest?
1: paul um it depends on the on the space story i okay. feel like all of them are like there's always like hey, a, a new rocket launched into space a new something is <laughs> headed for the moon you know where you're like i feel like there's so much of them i don't keep track of them personally i'm like wait i thought didn't this just happen a month ago and then someone <laughs> What's saying, the no, difference no, this between a this different rocket? Different one. yeah
0: yeah and the next one yeah i know i i yeah. for some reason i find it fascinating because it's out like outside of our planet like it's, I don't know, it's expanding like the limits of what we mm-hmm. thought was possible. So with this, so you're going to have to bear with me through these uh, few. I got a few actually. And then you're going to be sharing the last one.
1: Toyota. If you hear okay. a, snoring,
0: if you hear a <laughs> snoring sound, it's not me. I promise. <laughs> All right. So apparently Toyota is working with Japan's space agency uh, to develop a lunar cruiser. Now, this is interesting because it pays homage to the Toyota Land Cruiser. Get it? Lunar cruiser, mm-hmm. land cruiser. Uh, to the, the sport utility vehicle that Toyota already has. So <laughs> there's now going to be a, a, a space version of it. Not version. It's going to look totally different. But So the vehicle is based on the idea that people eat, work, sleep, and communicate with others safely in cars, and the same can be done in outer space. Said Takao Sato, who heads the lunar uh, cruiser project at Toyota Motor Corp. And then here's another one. So as if we don't have enough craters on the moon... SpaceX will be getting to the moon a bit more than a month from now, far earlier than expected, but it's all by accident and the cause is a bit of a mess according to New York Times. It's because the original plan of landing on the moon is still years away, like to land actual people on the moon, but what's happening is a four-ton piece of a rocket that hasn't been heard from since it's launched uh, an American satellite called Discover uh, seven years ago, It will be basically crashing into the moon. And they say it could make up to 65-foot crater on the far side of the moon. Hmm. Exciting, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So it's just (laughs) its on a collision course and nothing can be
0: done. It's just going to crash into the moon. (laughs) Something like that, yeah. And it's going to, I mean, we're now making a crater on the moon um in other space
1: news uh so traveling into space is something that many people dream of um i mean I'll, i dream of it i'm sure you do alex right. with the amount of space stories that you <laughs> that you have <laughs> one day um and it almost so it almost became a reality for one man um airline pilot Kyle Hipchin. he's 43 from Florida um he won a raffle ticket um to be part of inspiration for crews on the um new SpaceX flight um But at five foot ten inches, weighing three hundred thirty pounds, he exceeded SpaceX's two hundred fifty pound limit. Um, So he had to give his raffle to his roommate um, from Everett, Washington, which is which is devastating. Man, if you win, if you win a raffle like that, and you have to give it away because of your weight. Man, I would try to, like, personally, like, lose weight up up to the point of launch or something like that. I, and I and know. it
0: makes sense. I mean, listen, it's going to take a bit of time. But, like, if you won the space, like, you could probably even get sponsors. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You could be like, yeah. you're in the news already because you won the raffle. And you could say, I want to make that yeah. limit. Like, I'm 330. I want to drop down to 240. He could have
1: just opened up a GoFundMe, start a YouTube channel, yeah. be like, hey, my road to 240, and then like, please sponsor me for this. Like, Totally. It's If it was actually his dream, then he could totally oh, do
0: my. it. And the last one for today is uh, well about Olympics. It's a week from today. In six days, mm-hmm. they're opening up. And it's going to be in China. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, the U.S. Olympians that are going over there were asked to take burner phones, Because there's a possibility you're not coming back with that phone. And also to keep in mind that, you know, everything's going to be monitored. There's going to be a ton of testing. Mm -hmm. There's a possibility that some will not participate because they will have, I don't know, some kind of symptom. And then they have to quarantine for 14 days. So it's just going to be a really interesting, I mean, think about it, it's China.
1: I'm calling it right now. China's going to win this Olympics. It's going to get first place because all of the other teams mysteriously all got COVID or something like that and were able to participate.
0: Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. Well, that's all for the lightning stories for today. And now let's get to our last one that Paul prepared for us.
1: So the story I'm going to be covering today is actually going to be on the Russia slash Ukraine slash America slash NATO conflict. (laughs) Um, I know this was recently covered. I think it was Mm an if you're an avid listener of the show, you would know this, too, that in November of 2021, Alex and Vadim covered this story where. You know, they talked about the ins and outs, and I feel like Alex. I, I was listening to it recently. You did a really good job of, you know, giving the background hmm. information on Ukraine and Crimea and this whole, um, and and this whole conflict and where it began. So I definitely think I'm not going to be covering the background, but if right. you, the listener, are interested, um, for sure that would be a good. I think it was end of November, November 29th, that episode, 2021. Yep. Um, episode so four. I, I would definitely. Yeah. Episode four, mm-hmm. season two. Um, definitely good to listen to. But yeah, so basically what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to I have two stories here from um, none other than the most trustworthy new- news news um, <laughs> as CNN. So All right. I have two articles from CNN um, and it, it kind of so one I found that it kind of I, I, I'm i going to take a blurb and it covers Russia's side um, mm-hmm. and what they're saying. And I'm going to take another one and it covers the American america ukraine side of this conflict just to you know make sure that we have an unbiased um nice uh, unbiased kind of story so the first story is um cnn covering russia's side of the conflict so um and i'm and i'm reading a quote in spite of the ratcheting warnings of a pending war in ukraine the kremlin has signaled that diplomatic discussions between russia and the west will press on at least for now russian foreign minister's Uh, Sergei Lavrov reiterated on Friday that Moscow did not want war with Ukraine. Cooling talk of conflict a day after U.S. President Joe Biden said that Russia could be poised to invade Ukraine in February. If it's up to the Russian Federation, there will be no war. We don't want a war, Lavrov said. In an interview with Russian radio stations, Lavrov said that the United States' response to Russian security demands contained some grains of reason, a small ray of hope that diplomatic compromise could be reached. But the Kremlin has indicated that a wider agreement is unlikely, given that one of Russia's primary demands, a halt to NATO expansion has been firmly off the table. So so that was Russia's side. Right. Um, you know, we, we see the Russian foreign minister saying that, you know, it doesn't want war. Um, it's but it has this kind of agreement where it has some terms. In, and one of the terms is so for the NATO expansion to stop
0: and not get into Ukraine. Right. Basically, um. So, which, which Ukraine, in its turn, they do want to go uh, right. Yes, yeah. They they, w- yep. they want to continue going towards the European Union, and for Russia, that means having you know on their doorsteps, uh, what is it called, allied forces or whatever, you know, having America exactly, right there. Yeah. yeah. So so
1: this is another story um, from CNN, and this is the America Ukraine. Perspective, kind of, that's being um, mm-hmm. being reiterated here. So, United States Ambassador to Moscow John Sullivan says, despite repeated public assurances from Russian officials that they do not want f- to further invade Ukraine, the facts on the ground tell a much different story. You know, and later on, it points out that there's more than a hundred thousand tr- Russian troops at the Ukrainian border. Um, you know, it's extraordinary. Um, you know, basically, you know, this. Um, This ambassador is saying that Russia can attack at any moment and this would be devastating to Ukraine. This is like, you know, it's far bigger than a military exercise or Mm -hmm. exercise. You know, you don't you don't have a hundred thousand troops waiting by just to, you know, practice something. You know, this is clearly them either preparing or defending doing something. And so I feel like um, U.S. is on the United States is on edge. Ukraine is on edge. And, you know, um, we know that there was, I think. Um, uh, the last story I read said eight, 8,500 troops were, um, uh, NATO troops and American troops were in the bordering countries around, um, so uh, around Ukraine, basically ready to mm-hmm. deploy, ready mm-hmm. to, um, re- ready to stop Russia if, um, I- if it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously this is a difficult conflict, um, especially like for you, uh, mm-hmm. for me and you knowing that, you know, I don't know about you, but I have family both in, Russia and Ukraine. You know, so obviously I don't want this war to happen and it's just so tense. You know, there's definitely different sides to the story. Um what do you, what do you think about all this? I know it's been a couple of months, but
0: Yeah, you know what's interesting, you're part of the same uh so we're part of a chat, right, of like the ministers mm-hmm. of the state uh coming from a Slavic background again. We're uh, there's a bunch of Slavic leaders on this chat and some of them are Russian, some of them are Ukrainian. It was interesting to see that tension even got in there, right? Like for a bit. It it simmered down, but the tension got in there. And so, yes, it is an issue apparently of contention at times uh, between Russians and Ukrainians. Um, You know, I I look at it, you know, first of all, uh, you're probably one of the most... I want to (laughs) compliment you on chess. Uh, You're one of the greatest chess players that I have uh, in my actual real life. Um, And so you, you would relate to this. I feel like... It is uh, a game of chess, essentially, for many nations right now. There's not a lot of, like, real... It's literally a lot of scaring and bluffing and moving troops here and, you know, hyping up the media from one side and then hyping up the media from another. I think that's what's going on. It's just a big, old chess game on a world scale that, Mm -hmm. for now at least, is peaceful, but it is coming dangerously close to, like, a possibility of, of something happening. Um, I think we should just keep an eye on it, pray for Ukraine, hope that this, cause you know, yeah. even back in the days when the conflict in Crimea started, um, that was kind of unexpected, but it happened. Nobody expected mm-hmm. it, but boom, now, you know, here we have the consequences many years later. So big old chess game is what I think it is.
1: A chess game with real consequences though, right? Not just, <laughs> right. <laughs> not just losing a game, but then this is actually like yeah. war, you know, and, and, and there's, you know, you, you definitely don't want to see it cause then there's like, There's death. And when it comes to that, you know, it's just you you hate to see it. You you definitely don't want it to get to that. But I agree. It it, it does remind me of a chess game. And actually, I had this example that when I was thinking about Russia's side and America's side, you know, thinking about the two different sides, obviously trying to stay unbiased because, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's a personal issue. I have family in Russia, family Mm -hmm. in Ukraine. Um, So definitely seeing the tensions, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm rise, I think I think we should. Like, you, yeah, like you mentioned that that chat that we're on, you know, it's just to make sure that we're not looking at it out of per, out of a perspective of anger, you know, but yeah. like looking at it in, in a biased way. And like you mentioned, once we do that, we kind of realize that it is just a bunch of games being played. And so, you know, a game that comes to mind is risk. I don't know, have, mm-hmm. you, have you ever played risk? No. Risk is basically you start out with certain um, you, you you start out with a piece of land Mm -hmm. on, on a world. So it's a map of the world, right. And you start out with an area and then you basically battle other people trying to take over the whole world. So, Mm -hmm. um, it, there's a lot of chance in that game, but so one, one point comes to mind of a time I was playing risk. And so I remember I had North America. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I had the borders fortified everything, you know, I was, I was feeling good. And so a buddy of mine that I made, um, compromise with. with. So he had South America, Africa, but there's this other player who owned Europe, mm-hmm, Russia, mm-hmm. like the whole Asia. And so he was clearly stronger than both of us. So we're like, Hey, we're going to get into this uh, deal, like this friendly deal. So let's attack him. Cause if he attacks us, there's no way we're going to win. Right. So we started attacking, you know, turn after turn, we're, we're, we're going through this. And then all of a sudden I noticed that in South America, my friend who I have an alliance with, he's all of a sudden building building up troops. And then, you know, at one point I looked and I'm like, man, he has more troops in South America than he does attacking Europe. And so (laughs) that immediately, like, put questions in my mind. I'm like, what is he doing? You know, he's my friend, but is he really my friend? Why is there so many troops there? And then my reaction (laughs) to that was obvious. And it was like, okay, well then I'm going to put troops in, um, you know, in Southern America to protect myself in case he does attack. So although it is very, like, you know, these... Uh, international politics. They're much different than a board game, you know real consequences real war and it's scary But it's kind of similar, you know, you see from Russia's perspective they're looking and all of a sudden one of the biggest superpowers is coming in and then and with NATO They're putting in different troops everywhere, you know, and so what would you do in your situation? If you're thinking about it, you're like well, I would defend right. too. I would out troops out j- just in case something does happen now Uh, The other way around, from America's perspective, from Ukraine's perspective, you know, Russia is uh, a big bully. You know, he attacked other countries previously. Are they going to attack now? So now you're fortifying in case, you know, there is that. threat. So a bunch of games, a bunch of, like you said, um, chess game. But yeah. So, like I read in the stories above, you know, there's clearly a side that America's communicating, Ukraine's communicating, Russia's communicating. But is that really what they're thinking, and what's going to happen? You know,
0: uh, you know, clearly there's many perspectives here. What are your What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I'm looking at the whole landscape, like the, the the media scape, if you will, how it developed over the weekend, and you have America playing a big part in it. I guess the whole West is sort of trying to use their levers. Of control um, in this, you know, big game. For example, uh, U.S. said uh, on Monday that you know that they're going to be withdrawing uh, or reducing their staff levels to the U.S. embassy in Kyiv. And even though it was to do with like staff shortage, they dismissed it on a secondary cause. But see, it causes a panic in Kyiv because then they're like, all right, is is something going on bigger than what we're expecting? Because we know we have Russian troops up there. And I actually heard um, U- Ukrainian President Zelensky speak about that, that, you know, the West is playing a big scare game, which is probably unnecessary. And what they're forgetting is that Ukraine is an actual country that has actual people, you know, like real people yep. there. And it affects them in a real way. It puts the country on alert. It, it puts unnecessary fear. And the other part of it is that on Tuesday, U.S. troops were on high alert uh, because there came an order, um, well, actually it became came came on Monday, an order from U.S. Secretary of Defense uh, Lloyd Austin. He was planning to place 8,500 troops uh, on high alert to potentially back up NATO forces, you know, in case of Russia invasion. Yeah. So yeah. now we're talking about like real, uh, you know, actions or decisions. You know, consider also the 200,000 pounds of military aid to Ukraine that's been sent. And all of that just plays into this fear And again, the news media outlets, they spin these stories because we want to talk about Russia invading Russia, this big country, right? Mm -hmm. And Russia does have a weird band in the whole idea of just taking over the world (laughs) country by country. I don't know, probably from the Tsarist era. Uh, So there's that. It's just, uh, you know, I was talking to, to, I actually got to reconnect with my um, actual father, biological father uh, from Ukraine. Uh, He called me on my birthday, which he started doing in the recent years. And then he also called me to congratulate my boys, which were January 24th this past week. And so I briefly asked him about the situation in Ukraine. And even his response was very biased and sort of one-sided. Like they're, most of them are against Zelensky as a president. They Mm. are sick of corruption and that they think the whole Russia thing is just a scare that the West is using. That was their perspective. Wow. You know, they're like, it depends which network you watch. Basically, you watch mm-hmm. the Russian networks, you're gonna hear that you know, um, Ukraine needs help, and you're gonna watch the Ukrainian networks, and you're gonna see that Russia is the big enemy. And so it's, it's like like you said, it's important not to take it so serious that it become that your closest people to you become your enemies you know, Uh,
1: that, that's a very good point. You know, like the, where you mentioned like whichever country's new station you listen to, Mm -hmm. that's the perspective you're going to get. And that's, that's really interesting because I guess all this international politics, um, with all these countries reminds me of like, I don't know if you've ever had this, but of like, if someone's someone comes asking you for a favor, like, Hey, can you drive and do this? Or can you Mm -hmm. go and do something? And so at times I catch myself having this thought process where I'm like, I really don't want to do this. And so, but I'm going to say that I have homework or I have Mm -hmm. something to study for, I have something to do. Right. And so, once I say that, realistically, what I'm saying, and this is shameful to me, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to stop this in my life. Like, I'm not trying to brag about confession time. What what I'm saying is, like, hey, I have homework, even though full well I know, I'm not saying no because of the homework, Mm -hmm. but that is just a sub reason, you know, and my real feelings and what I'm really Mm -hmm. doing is hidden. Mm -hmm. And so, what what i'm i guess what i'm trying to lead to is that you know russia is saying that hey we want to you know there's these troops nato or we're just seeking for a compromise we don't want america in there because they might attack us right in, in ukraine because they might attack us who knows what if russia is just right. saying that and they all know that they want to take over ukraine you know america's saying hey ukraine needs help ukraine is this you know russia is going to attack and mm-hmm. like it's just a huge war situation who knows? What if America doesn't actually care about Ukraine and actually wants that 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 base there, the, those NATO troops there, so that exactly. when the time comes they can attack Russia? So it's all just intermixed. There's so many different viewpoints, and you know I would definitely say like sticking to one country like America and listening to the politics here—it's confusing enough. Now you add <laughs> different countries, yeah. and all of a sudden there's so many lies, so many things that you have yeah. to like kind of like so so much ambiguity that you have to look through. But I think you said a very, very good point. And, you know, to kind of lead to a conclusion is that we have to make sure that we don't like, especially with our friends and family, that we don't have these, you know, angered, we have these angry emotions, which I think Mm -hmm. come from, covid and this pandemic where we're so on edge, where we're so stressed, where these these all these mandates and people don't know how to react. There's these, you know, truck drivers in Canada that are driving and protesting and we're in all these confused emotions. And all of a sudden this conflict comes and mm-hmm. we deal with anger, you know, and that's not what we want to do, because realistically, if we're so far away and we're just getting angry at this situation to get angry and frustrated, then there's no point. But if we actually want to help, you know, like you said, we could pray we could pray for ukraine pray for russia because i'm sure none of us want this war to happen if we you know know people in ukraine that are getting attacked or people that are you know some situations help them let's get together let's send packages let's do something about it you know right. let's actually try to help out instead of just getting angry for the purpose of getting angry you know and that's just the point that i wanted to make because if you look at all these stories depending on what one you pick you're either going to be a pick one side and frustrated at the other or vice versa you know
0: Well, that's all for the stories for this week. We are so glad you've joined us for another episode of LifeRing. Please consider following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. Uh, Just type in LifeRing Podcast. Also consider sharing it with a friend or a family member that would benefit from a weekly overview of the current events from a conservative and Christian perspective. And as always, we would like to remind you that there is no better news on any given day than the good news of Jesus Christ. He died for the sins of the world so that everyone who comes to him would be saved we encourage you to seek him if you haven't already thank you for listening to life ring and we'll see you next week